welcome everyone to your She-Hulk podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is my co-counsel, Pete. Hello, Pete. That was the longest answer to what have you been up to I've ever heard. The She-Hulk podcast by Fantastic Geek for She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Episode 1, A Normal Amount of Rage comes to you now via Cheetos and Chopsticks, so you don't get Cheetos fingers. Pete, so glad to be kicking off our She-Hulk coverage here on She-Hulk Saturdays. Uh, I think it's pretty unanimous that uh, people are really enjoying the show, and I can't wait to be diving uh, on into it a whole lot more. Yes, we will be keeping it here on Saturdays until September 23rd, when... Uh, Andor, the new Star Wars prequel, uh, starring uh, Diego Luna's Cassian Andor as the titular character, will stream its first three episodes. That's when we'll uh, podcast the September 21st offering on then Star Wars Saturdays. We will then shift She-Hulk to Fridays. Yeah, I think for both of those shows, it kind of suiting the runtime a little bit more. So we know uh, for listeners who enjoy getting us feedback, it's a little less time to get the episode watched and to share your feedback with us. But uh, certainly listener listener feedback always appreciated, uh, particularly as we'll be in that stretch of juggling not one, not two, but three, uh, three podcasts a weekend. But certainly looking forward to the whole She-Hulk journey that is ahead, Pete. Yes, uh, Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3 starts this coming Thursday, August 25th. We will be doing that on Sundays. Our first episode will be on Sunday, August 28th. Order in the court! One more outburst and I'll hold you in contempt. Deputy District Attorney Jennifer Walters speaks about the obligation of power. But it's not to a jury, and instead in her office, as Dennis can be overheard and even tells her to smile more. Her paralegal, Nikki, tells her she wins the case, and Dennis, that he's not helpful at all. Of course, he wants to deliver the closing argument. They kick him out, and Nikki tells her she just needs to top it off with a savage Jen Walters look. But she doesn't have a savage Jen Walters look, as she makes a savage Jen Walters look. After all, she was handpicked to go up against G, L, K, and H. That's your Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway from your She-Hulk comics, if you don't already know. But if it doesn't go her way, she can just Hulk out, right? Right? Wait a minute, Pete. That's kind of foreshadowing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the two women walk out of Jen's office, uh, but Nikki's going to keep on walking as Jen steps back into her office to talk to us. She admits to being a Hulk, a little humble brag there. Uh, she does admit that you can't focus on the fun uh, lawyer show until you know more about that. So flashback to a few months ago on a uh, road trip with cousin Bruce Pete. That's your Bruce Banner. What from the Hulk movies? Yes, with his arm still in a sling there, explaining that uh, it started 
to heal from the damage suffered from Tony Stark's Infinity Gauntlet uh, because of an inhibitor device that he's made that keeps him in human form. They are sharing Cheetos uh, using chopsticks so you don't get it all over your hand there. So apparently uh, he's not the only genius in the family. Hey, there's also Chad Banner. Uh, Pete, maybe that's yet another spinoff coming. I don't know. Um, we get the uh, return here with the Cheetos and Chopsticks, of course, which weirdly, Pete, I also saw like in another show in the last week. Uh, maybe it's a thing. Maybe there's a movement going on that I don't know about. Um, but on to Pete, I guess a theories segment, right? She Does she know she's in our podcast about the show? I don't know, but she has theories. Uh, Steve Rogers, of course, she says, didn't have a girlfriend before going to the service. Then he's frozen in ice, gets unfrozen, saves the world over and over again in a series of calamitous events and so forth, uh, being kept very busy by that. Pete, her concern that he was a virgin at uh, for all of this. Uh, and just before we might blush at our Disney Marvel show, Pete, wait, what's that in the distance? That's a spaceship that uh, causes them to drive off the road, flipping over and over again before coming to rest. Uh, Jen, as she escapes the vehicle here, cuts her left forearm on a jagged piece of metal. She unbuckles Bruce, who is still in human form, but some of his blood drips into her cut, and she changes. We see it in the reflection of the car, I think an interesting choice. I mean, listen, they showed us up front what She-Hulk looks like, but for the character the first time to have that happen, I think it's effective as Bruce begins to Hulk out. Pete, is this what's called an inciting incident at the very start of a story? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah, both of them having their, their Hulk out moment. We see that she runs into the, into the forest uh, later. She awakens in the dark. Uh, she hears music. She sees a rather seedy-looking gas station and bar. Uh, there's a bouncer in a leather vest out front. Uh, so that's, of course, TV code for this is a rough-and-tumble place, but it also has a QR code to She-Hulk number one, if you see it <laughs> rather obviously. <laughs> um, Jen makes her way into the ladies' room. She sees that she's in rough shape. Uh, women enter, they come to her sisterly defense, they're going to get her cleaned up, get her some shoes, some makeup, need a phone, glad to help, Pete, I don't know, women helping women here, a great message as we settle into uh, the, the early Hulk moments here for Jen. But not outside to help her there in that fuzzy jacket, as ladies night has been a bust for a trio of aggressive men who approach her. They're just trying to be friendly before she hulks out on them and winds up unconscious, waking up where? Uh, Pete, what looks to me to be a, a very modest seaside cabin, she changes into a Led Zeppelin shirt. And okay, it's a seaside cabin, but perhaps not that modest. Uh, there's an Iron Man helmet, maybe even a couple of Alan Silvestri's uh, avengers theme notes played. Uh, and she follows the Spanish music through a giant door. Love the attention to detail here. That's a giant door, massive stairs. It's been built to Hulk scale. 
uh, into the basement where we see Bruce Banner in Hulk form. He notes it's Smart Hulk. Uh, you never have a choice with these names, which let's not forget, Pete, Smart Hulk was not something that the production came up with. That's right. the nickname of the character that happened between uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So a little self-reference there, reflection back to the audience and so forth. Yes. Uh, they are in Mexico. Uh, Bruce tells uh, Jen that he talked to her parents. They know they're okay. And this is also where he spent the blip integrating his identities. Tony Stark built it for him. He used to joke it was a loner. Uh, and then she asks about the spaceship that ran them off the road. Ah, uh, yes, a Sicarian Class 8 courier craft probably trying to deliver a message you know he'll he'll get to the bottom of that probably like what episode eight uh, seven or eight maybe nine last third certainly bottom line pete weird stuff happens when you're the hulk uh that's when she remembers oh she changed uh there's a quick recap here not exactly the blood transfusion of the comics but a transfusion of blood uh has led to some gamma radiation uh, and ultimately, they can synthesize gamma radiation due to a variety of genetic factors, science, science, computer screen, computer screen. Um, but how she does it, it's a little bit different. And because there's that difference, it's enabled him to fix his arm now. Uh, so, again, Smart Hulk, two good arms. Uh, he can be his fully integrated self again, uh, which she notes is Smug Hulk. And... Um, there's then some more talk about her blood samples. Yes, and he places it in a device, which then lasers it away. A bit dramatic, but he notes that it's way too dangerous to get out into the world, even if there's only a millionth percent chance that it makes another one of them, as it'll do sometime in the future. Pete, her concern here, she just wants to be fixed, to be set back to the way she was. He says that this is not going to go away. Uh, the the Bruce humanizer that he had on his good arm uh, in the car ride that was calibrated to him, just him. Uh, it's almost like a writer's room discussion here. She's saying, fine, calibrate it to me. He says, no, you can't. Uh, it simply can't be done. The best he proposes is that uh, perhaps she could try and merge the two sides. Uh, she uh, repeats again. She does not want to be a Hulk, even though there's no going back. She pauses emotional. She needs, she needs Pete. Sometimes the solution is you just need some pancakes. Yes. She knows, he knows that it's hard for her to hear it, but she's going to have to change the way she lives her life now, avoid stressful situations, stay away from people. But the question remains how she's supposed to do that and do her job. She can't. Uh, he says that she can stay there until she figures out how to control her Hulk self and produces a binder that will help her embark on a multi-year journey. 15 years, give or take. The top priority being controlling when she turns. So cut to the glass box as shown in the preview, uh, but we'll leave the preview knowledge aside. This is where they're going to test her stress levels. Uh, she suggests that a good uh, test might be Disney Pixar's Inside Out, streaming on Disney+. Plus. She doesn't say that last part, but it's implied. There's only one way to watch this show, unless you're pirating it. 
Um, so what's the glass box going to be? It's a buzzsaw wall, transformer die. Uh, ultimately, she does and rages out. Uh, she smashes out of the glass box there, feeling the anger and so forth. He talks to her like she's a a, a, stray, a stray horse, which is a great line. Uh, a line delivered by Jen, because even though she is in She-Hulk form, she is still Jen and conscious. Uh, she's the only one, Pete. There's no other person, no other hand at the wheel and so forth. Made very clear in this scene, there is just She-Hulk and Jen, the same person, no duality. Triggering this anger and fear, which Jen noted earlier, is the baseline of any woman just existing uh, to emerge as the better version of Hulk, to not have this 10 year battle looming with an alter ego, uh, though she's just done a million dollars of damage back there. Uh, she now doesn't need to focus on so much of what he did so uh, they can still try to look at um, when she transforms. And indeed, how is she going to transform back? Well, how has that been done for Bruce? He notes, really simple, robot hits, jet falls, lullabies from Natasha, uh, a little kind of, he's not saying it to the camera, but a little like, I don't really know, kind of shrug on his part. <laughs> um, there is, however, the takeaway, so he would become unconscious. Um, although not necessarily, there was one time that Bruce was the other guy for two years. Pete, also streaming on Disney+, Plus. I'll just yeah. add. In space for uh, two years there. She can't stay like that for two years. Uh, but he notes that she has so much uh, more to learn about being a Hulk the damage she can cause. And he tells her she cannot be emotional. It's going to lead to death and destruction. People will start seeing her as a monster that that never goes away. So she asks him to teach her how to Hulk, please. First up is going to be some yoga with a, a clinical perspective, not a spiritual one. She's rather sarcastic about it though. Uh, the next morning, Pete, my notes, uh, say here, he uses a can of honk. I know that it's, it, it's got a proper label, but I, I rather like my little typo there. Can of honk to wake her, you know, it's an air horn. Um, he also notes that she does indeed revert to gen form when she sleeps, which to me, Pete suggests that maybe the prior yoga scene in which she was in gen form may have been planned as a Hulk gen scene and backtracked. Uh, when time and budget became problems, we we can be watching all nine of these episodes with knowledge. A, an episode was cut, and B, you'll never guess it, Pete, Marvel is making last-minute changes and so forth, and there was a, a, a frantic move to de-she-hulk some scenes because there simply was not time nor budget to get that done. But that's all right, man. I mean, we look at this from the dialectical behavioral therapy aspect where we can hold two opposing truths at the same time why could the same not be true of the show itself there you go i, I think ultimately too like unless you have tatiana maslani like fist fighting a giant rock creature in gen form and they're like all right no she should be smushed like unless it's something egregious like that make it work in the writing every production deals with limitations every production 
could use more time and more money. Yes, it's kind of sizzly to be like, once again, Marvel, trouble in the fourth quarter, trouble at the two-yard line. And maybe that's something they need to get sorted out eventually. But in the interim, we have a solid episode here and, and higher expectations to come for the future. Uh, Pete, speaking of higher things, another lesson here for her. She needs to have a place with 10-foot ceilings. We have uh, a montage of yoga, uh, the the amusing boulder toss. I know in the previews they showed he threw one, she threw one farther. Fun stuff there. I then like that he tops it off, you know, as the more experienced Hulk, uh, throwing another boulder so far that it starts to burn up in the atmosphere. Um, and he also uh, preaches Pete something that I think many people learned uh, during the the lockdown portion of the pandemic. The virtues of spandex. <laughs> I like when she jumps and then starts stomping around. Man, man. Indeed. Um, the montage concludes with Bruce knocking her off the cliff. Uh, she gives uh, a signal to suggest that he is number one in her eyes. And she quickly bounces back. Uh, she does reiterate. So how is all of this lawyerly? Um he again says this isn't necessarily for you as a lawyer. He's suggesting those days are over. She's going to have baddies coming her way. But the good news is that their bodies metabolize alcohol at a high rate. It's all buzz and no barf. Uh, there'll be a t-shirt quite soon, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, one massive drinking session later. Uh, Pete, they're 21 or older. Let's, let's, let's remember that there. Uh, there's reflection about the bar being built by Bruce and Tony, reflecting on uh, you know Tony complaining about Steve and so forth. And then, Pete, let's not get too sad over lost friends because uh, Bruce and Jen, they burp a lot. They do. There's a BB and TS carved into the bar there, a reminder of a good time during a hard time. In the morning, though, um, Bruce is mixing something up in the blender. What he failed to mention was that Jen will still have to deal with a Hulk size hangover, which doesn't seem to make sense if their bodies metabolize the alcohol. Agree. I don't have a, I, all I guess I will say is this Pete. I agree. It doesn't make sense with the prior line. However, it is, you know, Hulk Bruce saying this. So maybe his conclusion is if you don't switch back, then you don't, then that's when there's no, no barf, uh, or implied barf through hangover. Um, Pete, maybe there'll be a one shot one day to explain this, or maybe they'll explain it in what if season three or something like that. We'll never know. I'm sure. Um, she puts her hair, her head down and we get the air honk again. Um, and then Bruce is breathing, but Jen is impatient, wants to know when she can leave. Bruce just trying to get her to focus as each day comes, but she has a legitimate life to return to. But he lectures her that being a superhero is trial by fire. She says she's not going to be one. But what else would she do as a Hulk? You know, return to the career she spent years building, using her law degree that she's still paying off a fortune in student loans for. Uh, but he says it's not one or the other. He's trying to show her that she can live between what she wants and what is. 
Um, and also that they can't pretend they aren't uh, some of the few people that can actually protect Earth. And then added to that is the real the real center of the show, the real crux of it. Uh, he tells her that she needs to learn to regulate her emotions. Uh, and she notes that as a woman, she does that every day, whether it's uh, in response to catcalling, to being mansplained, uh, to sometimes literally worrying for her life. Uh, she's used to controlling that rage. As she's talking, she hulks up. Uh, and that's kind of Bruce's point. Aha, look, you don't have control. And she says, no, I do. She then gens back down. She's in control. She moves to the Jeep. She's ready to leave. And she reiterates that she can go back and forth between these two forms at will. Yeah, she's done the dialectical behavioral therapy. She can change back and forth. Uh, she's happy to get back to her life. Um, and he's quoting comic books. Uh, because the idea of being a superhero does not appeal to her. Um, and, you know, he says he didn't have his life taken away, yet she reminds him that he wound up hiding alone on a remote beach with no friends, no relationships, never sees his family, and had to deal with a decade's worth of trauma. She also says in a just a luscious line here that she won't be joining a secret government contractor squad, which <laughs> I never fully thought of it as that. But that's as great. I, Pete, I want the T-shirt in, I don't know, an X-Men font or kind of like a like Marvel's secret governor con government <laughs> contractor squad or whatever it is. There, there's potential there, too. Um, she, of course, is still in the Jeep. She peels out, knocking him into a pile of boulders. Uh, he, of course, is okay. Um, he says that she's doing her best, yet can still do better. Uh, there's some anger, and they tussle. Why wouldn't she listen to someone who's been through this before? And then she reiterates it's because they're different people. The fight continues. We have some Hulk claps, some coconuts, some surfboards. The tussle ends up wiping out the bar. Uh, but she's going to have to stay a little bit to help fix it. Yes, and finally... Uh, he says that he can respect that she wants to return to life as a lawyer. Uh, and Jen looks at the camera and tells us he doesn't mean that. And then they both look at the camera. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how to read that. Like, is he responding to her? Is he responding to us? Does it really even matter? Um, but it is now truly time for her to leave. Uh, she apologizes for saying all the very true things that she has. Uh, he notes that she has doubled down on the things that she's apologizing for. Pete, this is a 32-minute episode that is exceedingly well-written by uh, your series creator, Jessica Gao. Yes, moves at a really brisk pace here. Um, she says that she's a much better lawyer than a Hulk, uh, but now who's being smug? Um, and, uh, Bruce reminds her that if she changes her mind, the door never closes. See you at the next family dinner. See a fuzzball. Then we're back in her office. You see Pete flash back now over. She recaps to us. Now we know she's a Hulk. Nikki knows her family knows back to the lawyer show. We go to the jury summation scene where the defense is talking about, 
you know, there was an ambitious expansion plan. Yes, some people got hurt and kind of killed. But, you know, <laughs> how much knowing depends on the definition of knowing. Then Jen is up. It's her big moment. There's a wall smash, though unnamed in this episode. It is uh, Titania. And uh, Nikki says that Jen has to do her thing. Jen kicks off her shoes, then hulks out. Who is she? Jennifer Walters, attorney at law. She punches Titania out, saving the day. Uh, and then Jen transforms back and puts those shoes on, Pete. The outfit is ripped. However, what's next? Ready to give her closing argument. The mid-credit scene back at Bruce's bar at night. Uh, she's still lamenting that Steve Rogers did so much for the country but never got to experience sex. I mean, that butt did not deserve to die a virgin. And finally, Bruce spills here that he lost his virginity in 1943 to a girl on the USO tour. Confirmed, Pete. Captain America, fuck. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? May I approach the bench? It's time to step aside and approach the bench to discuss some off-the-record theories. You be the judge. So, Pete, I think first up must be, I feel like, uh, particularly since titania gets so little screen time here uh but jamila jamil is the second build person or third build person surely that's going to be where we pick up next week like that's just got to be the logical next spot right yeah and you know they'll give the name they'll give the explanation on the character uh they're they're linked and, uh, yeah, I mean, all depends how far you'd want to go here, Matt, and talking about it. <laughs> well, something else I'd like to talk about that surprised me, particularly as we think about the road ahead and also as we think about how the show was advertised, um, to see Ruffalo as special guest star. I mean, in retrospect, I did not think this was going to be like She-Hulk and Hulk. The two pals, you know, the two, it, this is not a, a two-hander show. This is She-Hulk as the lead. Yeah. I was a little surprised to see special guest star versus like, I don't know, gets and Mark Ruffalo billing in every episode, even if he's not in it or, or that sort of thing. It does set out for me a new expectation to not get Hulk every week. And I think they're wise to do that, to not let it overpower. They use him to help set up. Her transformation being the cause of it, uh, the training and, you know, will he be back? Of course, he's going to be back. Um, but to let her breathe on her own as a character to go through her journey on her own. And you had mentioned as well the the presence of the Sakaran spacecraft. I think within the course of this episode, it's a very... Um, self-contained like i mean we get the line right there weird stuff happens when you're a hulk it's it's a very very well written line by jessica gow to kind of explain away the inciting incident of the inciting incident if you will um but as you had suggested in the recap portion i mean they don't need to leave that as a hanging thread out there it's gonna it's gonna circle back surely it's got to circle back in these nine episodes yeah and the restraint with which they they deal with it Oh, probably just trying to deliver a message. You know, I mean, Matt, 
what's next on the uh, Marvel Studios TV side after this show? Uh, that would be Secret Invasion. Could they be delivering a message about a secret invasion that, hey, this person that you thought the whole time was really this one is a scrawl? That would be really fun. And I think. Or somebody in it is the real person and the other person's been the scrawl. This flashback portion of the story also does give us some kind of timeline maintenance for lack of a better word in that when last we saw bruce banner which was at the end of shang chi he had the the uh you know the arm in a harness he starts out that way here then obviously through the the series of events here uh now the arm is fixed and then now he's back in smart hulk form and so forth so we do have a sense let's say, of Shang-Chi predating this show, which I think was our basic expectation. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we, you know, I don't know that we should always assume as we did, let's say, in a pre-Endgame scenario, we shouldn't always continue to assume that, like, the thing we saw before is the thing that comes before what we're watching now. But that is the case with Shang-Chi and this show. Particularly in a multiverse that we now know we're dealing with but i think smart like all right here was a character with some damage and now we know he doesn't have the damage so they're showing when this took place what are the theories do you have pete chad banner matt why do i want to see not only chad banner but um jen's parents um yeah i could i could do with seeing the one or both um I feel like I feel like Chad Banner that that could be set up for a funny joke like maybe he's the third most impressive in that <laughs> there's two hulks and he's like a really great corporate accountant for like a chemical company or something like that um and similarly like I understand what this episode wants to do and does not want to do in regards of like oh, you talked to my parents, okay, cool. Like, there's no need for her to pick up the phone or FaceTime and be like, yes, I'm okay, it's good to see you, I miss you, mother and father. That's not what this story wants to do, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be like, oh my goodness, Pete, they got so-and-so and so-and-so to play the parents in the sixth episode. Right, and I think that's what Marvel has done so well for so many years. Speaking of the passage of the years, and you had noted the original Uh, comics explanation for She-Hulk's character that she had been given a transfusion. It happens after she's the target of a mob hit. Obviously that story here wouldn't transition real well. So to do it through accident, having been on a road trip, getting some of his blood in there, I think fits a lot better. And it kind of really, it really smacks of the compact way in which Marvel Studios will adapt things in that, you know, as we've discussed, there's the, the, there's intrigue to the Sakaran thing, intrigue for later, one would assume, but also not necessarily intrigue for now. Plus, it's this very quick, you know, it's the accident, which you can visually understand. It's the cut. It's the blood mixing, like, boom, boom, boom. You don't need a whole lot of background not there's anything wrong with that you know she hulk number one but just in terms of like i'm going to go visit my cousin who i used to be close with but i haven't in a long time 
hello, here I am. Let me recap the Hulk stuff. Let me this. Oh, you're a lawyer. You're there's all this kind of stuff that needs to get quickly done in like eight pages versus with this. It's like road trip, spaceship, tumble, cut, boom. There we go. Did the Iron Legion helmet that's seen in the Mexican beachside resort there serve a greater purpose than just, hey, this was a Tony Stark place. Pete, this is one of these questions that when I go back and listen to the podcast like a year later or two years later, I'm like, you had an opportunity to say the right thing, but you went with the wrong thing. So I'm going to answer answer in my heart, and then I'm going to and I'm going to talk to future self. Pete, my heart tells me that somebody just said, maybe a producer or a set decorator or somebody kind of at a, at, you know, not maybe at the core of the story was like, hey, let's reinforce that this is Tony and Bruce's creation, that they spent time together. Look, a Tony Stark memento. What could it be? It could be a helmet from an earlier suit or Iron Legion or whatever it is. Bing, bang, boom. Okay, that's what I, that's my takeaway now. Now I'd like to talk to future self. Yes, future self, it was a deep connection to whatever, and it was a big clue towards Avengers uh, 6 and things of that sort. And, and, and yes, as I sit here on uh, August 20th, 2022, I've, I've, I've missed a major clue and a major component uh, towards the future of phases 4, 5, and 6 in the MCU. The blood being destroyed there, Jen's blood after being analyzed, that millionth percent of a chance of it getting out. So when are we getting Red Hulk, Matt? I mean, it's 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 a story nail that's been placed there. It's not even Chekhov's gun. It's it's a nail just waiting to hang more story on uh, in the future. When? I don't know. I, look, anytime we get ready to podcast these shows, especially for preview episodes, you know, I hop on the Wikipedia and I continue to see the quote um, somewhere here. Let's see if I can scroll to it. I don't know that I can, but it's like Kevin Feige has said that some shows uh, like uh, WandaVision are meant to only run for a single season, whereas other shows like Moon Knight and She-Hulk uh, and Ms. Marvel or, or some shows like Ms. Marvel are meant to spring into the movies, and other shows like Moon Knight and She-Hulk are meant to possibly open up to future seasons. So in that spirit, is that notion of the millionth percentile, is that a setup for this season, or is that just you know something that they're putting in their back pocket for, for when they need it in the next movie, in She-Hulk season two, in the yet unannounced She-Hulk plus... Iron Heart versus Moon Knight extravaganza that's going to happen in three years or, you know, or who knows what, but it, it it's a story potential that's there. That Jen has dodged the alter ego phase, if you will, um, I think hastens us to some of the better parts of the storytelling of, of the Hulk characters yeah is it compelling that all right he gets angry he loses time he damages things but it's also one note and you consider what you know the mcu did with that that all right we got to build a thing to to entrap him and prevent from doing that and then give him lullabies and it doesn't work for her 
as an attorney. What what she gonna lose time as she's you know arguing a case and then have to backtrack that. So to skip that and to set her apart and make her different, I think is the more compelling route here. Yeah, obviously, no doubt, somewhere on social media, there's somebody with the take that they've, you know, they've, they've uh, emasculated Hulk or they've taken away what makes Hulk Hulk and, you know, all of that with, with no knowledge that this is the same template used in She-Hulk number one in February 1980. And it's a really, really old concept to say, what if she could um, maintain the the Gen persona and the She-Hulk persona simultaneously? What if there were no, you know, no separation of the personas? I think too, and I think this is what you were suggesting, Pete, it's a little bit of an advancement of the narrative, i.e. it's not that interesting to be like, oh no, now Jen has to be on the run. Let's play the lonely man theme or whatever it is from the TV show. Oh no, now she needs to do more breathing exercises and watch her heart rate like the Ed Norton movie. Like we've done all those things, whether it's smart Hulk banner, whether it's a lawyerly she Hulk, like we've done all the phase one uncontrollable rage monster stuff. And let's now do different things with that concept. Any other theories there, Pete? The mid credit scene, Matt, with the disclosure that Steve A did not, uh, you know, go through his life as a virgin. Um, B, this USO girl, are we in Superman territory? Would he have endangered her? Pete, I think... If there's one thing we know about Steve Rogers, it is his his kind heart and uh, his good natured ways. I think that uh, I think that thus one could infer he is a he is a kind and gentle lover. Uh, and um, doubtless, if, if there's any exception to that, then uh, it was only to to Peggy Carter's uh, 1950s uh, fun times. Objection, Your Honor. He's badgering the witness. Well, what do you want me to give him a testimonial dinner? Let's hear some testimony from listeners. Pete, we go to our Twitter poll uh, where the poll choices were as follows. Uh, uh, the lowest rung, one drink, hungover. Pete, it got 0%. That's right, Pete. Somehow, the trolls did not discover hashtag She-Hulk attorney at law. Maybe that's too much typing for them. Or maybe they don't know how to spell attorney. Spelling the word attorney is difficult. Um, uh, Two binders, that's binders of exposition, got 4.8%. Three graduates, doctor of law, got 14.3%. And then egg, ham, egg, ham, because Pete, green eggs and ma'am, got 81%. Some replies here on Twitter. Uh, Well now, that was a lot of fun, says JT Adkins. That's at JTA is me. Next up, Bob Keeley, uh, at R. Keeley on Twitter. A wonderful first episode. They immediately let us know uh, that the fourth wall would be broken, and the long flashback was helpful and enjoyable. They brought it back to the present, just enough to set up the rest of the season. Maslani is great, A+. Uh, Andre Yeager, at Dr. Polo, 1983, checks in and says, great origin story and introduction into the character. They also closed a lot of loops. Bruce's arm, how he was Bruce again, and where he became Smart Hulk. 
Tatiana is killing it. Can't wait to see eight more episodes. Also, bring on all the end credit scenes. First one was awesome. Next up, Rose Ferry at Anna Rose 584, a superhero comedy for grownups. And who was Steve with in 1943? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes and hope we see a bit more of Mark Ruffalo, though I know there are a lot of other characters coming. Pete, I know uh, the, the popular theory on Twitter was, you know, in the first Captain America movie, he, while on the USO tour, talks to the lady who then goes on to play uh star lord's mother um so a lot of jokes of maybe one day <laughs> star lord will find out his grandmother was with steve rogers in 1943 um but there you go do you have any other theories pete about who it could be uh that's it's cute uh, i know james gunn has also responded to that i'll let people go and uh check that out next pete we hear from david siller that's at siller david poet Marvel has done it again, a show so different in tone, style, and pacing that it stands out from all its counterparts. She-Hulk Attorney at Law absolutely captures the cheek and fun of John Byrne's run, and it looks like the action will measure up, too. I love the way they introduced the fourth wall break so early in the show, then in the flashback, played up its first occurrence. Jen's baseline speech about women always having to control their anger was pitch-perfect and powerful. Mm -hmm. The game of anything you can Hulk... I can She-Hulk better, delivered masterfully, even after being teased in the trailers. I'm excited they're taking up the nine-episode format that WandaVision used perfectly and giving us a fantastic workplace comedy. Finally, I must yawp at how lucky the MCU is and MCU fans are to have Tatiana Maslany uh, on board. I can't praise her talent enough. That'll be a thread, but if you haven't seen Orphan Black, do yourself a solid, watch it right away, and join hashtag clone club. Now bring on more Shulky. Pete, do you feel that Marvel might have a new, albeit old, but new formula here to do the 300 hours by way of 9 or 10 30-minute episodes versus the 45 to an hour uh, episode lengths? I mean, I haven't done the math on, on where we'll wind up here um but just really looking forward to the ride everything here fun fast lighthearted. can't wait for more next up spider ham lincoln at tess lc 139 says i thoroughly enjoyed episode one it had the right balance of humor and backstory mixed in mcu nostalgia and believable cgi considering it's a superhero tv show Although he was featured in trailers, I'm really glad Bruce was such a main character in 101, and that's all we need of him. I have high hopes for this show, and I'm hoping for a fellow fourth wall breaker Deadpool cameo, uh, which is something Spider-Ham Lincoln and I had talked about on Twitter as well. It That seems like as good a guess as any, right? That'd be an awesome way to integrate Deadpool for the first time. I hope they take it. Next up, we hear from J. Philly B. That's at J. Philly B for Phantom. As a female attorney taught early on not to be perceived as emotional, I had a lot of concerns about how Jennifer would be triggered to Hulk out. Then came her speech about control, and I've never felt so seen by a piece of media. My concerns were cured immediately. So some wise words there. Next, we hear from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Killin on Twitter. Three minutes in, and I can say with confidence that anyone criticizing the show is a miserable oaf. And once again, <laughs> I think this is at the end of his viewing. And once again, I tip my hat to the magical casting slash wizard writing duo 
Tatiana is just brilliant. Dude bros are not going to ever recover. Next, Pete at uh, Noel Camille. That is, of course, Noel Gardner, who says, I loved this first episode. I can't wait for more. Tatiana is amazing. I have one small gripe, but they may get to it later on. Do we know about Bruce's abuse background, which makes him uh, it makes his dealing with anger different than Jen's? Bring on Wong, Matt, Emil, and whoever else. That post-credit scene is hilarious and informative. If Jen ever meets Bucky, she's going to have so many questions for him about Steve. <laughs> um, and a reply here from uh, LMD Mary, it's at Geek Kirk. I mean, if she meets Bucky, maybe she forgets about Steve. I mean, come on now. So time will tell pete there's all sorts of possibilities here there is no um reference of uh bruce's trauma um in that regard at least to this point in the mcu next up we hear from kevin grogu's brosif that's at loves wars l-u-v-s wars this show is firing on all cylinders pure green eggs no spam the jury has reached their verdict and have found this show fantastic with a PH. Have some applause emoji there. Next up, Pete, we hear from Bike BRH. That's at Bike BRH on Twitter. I give it three and a half stars. I have to dock it a half a point for a truly terrible wig and them chickening out on making her more muscular. Loved it otherwise. I love Tatiana Maslany since Orphan Black. She's one of the best actors of her generation, especially in terms of working with modern tech, doing a really good job with the mocap, which surprises nobody who watched Orphan Black, where she regularly acted with up to four versions of herself in a scene. Anybody who likes her here should check it out. I think it is right in the wheelhouse of Fantastic Geek listeners. Next, Pete, we hear from Darren Bell. It's at Darth Rasslin 79 this was great from breaking the fourth wall to introducing the origin story through the banter between Bruce and Jennifer. Was that post credit scene the most important in the whole MCU? Winky, can't wait for the <laughs> next episode. Uh, Darren then adds, I'm probably way off, but could the pilot of the spaceship be this guy? And he shares a, uh, a comic cover, Son of Hulk, which certainly I think would weirdly, Pete, fit into the action comedy uh, yeah. milieu. Yeah. Uh, next, we hear from Tweeter at Law. That's Casey Lyle one on Twitter. Uh, loved it. Maslani is amazing as ever, and the CGI looks overall great, in my opinion. I love the fourth wall breaking. My only issues were right after the Hulks talked about how to change her back to Jen. Uh, they then they go to her being Jen, then going to her in therapy. And the Titania fight scene was too short and poorly edited. I even rewatched to see if it was as bad as I thought. But I love the direction it's taking and the performances, and I'm looking forward to the rest. And yay, after credit scenes, I will agree, Pete, the fight is barely seen, and maybe we get more of it next week. Maybe that's the... Yeah, the... on uh, a couple of rewatches, it doesn't hold up as well, but I think they're trying to go for a little bit more of a cheekier presentation given Titania's character. Uh, next, we hear from Brian Spann. That's Brian O-E-N-O. Brian O-N-O. Uh, Maslani is terrific, of course, and the series has great potential. I'm hoping this is the worst show of the season, as it didn't blow me away, but set up Jen and who slash where her character is fairly well. Three stars. Excited for the next one. Next, we hear from Fayel is a sassy green bean. That's at Fayel, <laughs> F-A-Y-E-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Um 
fantastic. Uh, Fael says, I enjoyed it so far. I love learning more about Bruce and his life in the five years gap. I do think her control was a bit crazy good, but I am not well-versed in the character, so excited to see where it goes. Um, now, Pete, I am correct in saying part of the part of the construction of the original character in 1980 is she has control basically from the get-go, right? Yeah. Uh, next up, LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, says, Okay, as noted, I'm a 50-something woman who's loved nerdy things all my life. The best thing about the MCU since the release of Captain Marvel is that I finally feel seen and represented in the things I love. When Jen says that's the baseline for women, yeah, it is. Especially if you have enjoyed things that have been gendered as male for some godforsaken reason. I love this character with every fiber of my being and cannot wait for every second of her the MCU gives me. Oh, and so the look on Jen's face when, in her training, she breaks the fourth wall, that seems to be something new to her. Do you think she got uh, that with the whole confusion? Um, so, Pete, what are your thoughts there? Is, That's is... cute if they could find a way to integrate that there. Like, her power allows her to do that. I would definitely be down for that. Anti-penultimately, we hear from Drive-By Wrestling Pod. That's at Drive-By Pod. Like Ms. Marvel, this was fun and different. I love that this is a comedy. As fans, we can enjoy uh, an MCU superhero show with the intent to laugh and have fun rather than the jokes being used to lighten uh, darker slash sadder themes. Can't wait for next Thursday. Next up, we hear from Michael. That's at Mike the Egg on Twitter. Just brilliant. Great storytelling, action, and comedy. Loved the two camera bits. And now I need to eat Cheetos with chopsticks. Lastly, Pete, we hear from Mr. Simon Morgan. That's Mr. Simon Morgan on Twitter. Great introduction of the character. I'm so excited for episode two. Particularly love the direction the humor is going. Pete, take us to Facebook where we have some comments. Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. The first episode of She-Hulk was okay. I hope the visual effects get better. The fight at the end between Jennifer and Titania just didn't look good. Hulk's face while talking didn't look right either. I do want to find out more about the ship that ran them off the road. I feel like that may be saved for another show or movie. I was hoping that Jennifer woke up in Tahiti. It is a magical place. I'm glad Marvel has She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall as she did this in her own comics when she first appeared. You know, long before that other guy started doing it. Anyway, I'm on board for more, but I'm a little nervous right now. Until next week, stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the P and the H. I would recommend for everybody to go either dig out the link to Marvel.com for She-Hulk number one or grab it off the QR code in the bar scene. Um, it's not the world's greatest comic that you've ever read. It is, does feel a little, a little dated, um, but it's a great read to kind of see, you know, to see what the bedrock foundation is of this character. Pete, we now hear from Lauren, who says uh, that she wanted to weigh in on the first episode of She-Hulk. I was excited to see Tatiana Maslany in this. Nice to see her in something again, as I was super impressed by her multiple character work in the BBC show Orphan Black. Her banter with Banner was enjoyable, and the overall comedy slash humor flavor of the show and Breaking the Fourth Wall were fun, too. I found the blood contamination MacGuffin they used to explain her, her Hulkification to be a little weak. 
I know we are operating in the MCU where theoretically anything is possible, but getting a lethal dose of gamma radiation via a small amount of Bruce's blood getting to a cut on her arm. I looked it up, and in the comics, she ended up getting a blood transfusion with him, which is quite different. If minor blood contamination was this much of a hazard, wouldn't it have been a concern for the Avengers earlier? Like, don't get too close, guys, I'm radioactive. Anyway, other than that, I liked the first episode. I'm looking forward to the character development of Jen and seeing which direction the show takes in terms of the main story arc. Cheers, that from Lauren. Pete, I think it's a fair criticism that they very quickly go through the thing that now hulkifies her. Yes. Um, and I don't think I was prepared for that to be the reason why, but it's what they chose. I think that it works and do you really need to belabor it? Pete, let's now hear from Stacy who says, good morning, Matt and Pete. I'm so glad to be messaging you after this, uh, we fantastic geek drought. I'm sure you all needed a rest after three ups a week in June, but I'm looking forward to having you back in my podcast feed again. Pete, I'll just mention we have continued to do weekly podcasts of some variety uh, in the interim, whether it's previewing She-Hulk, previewing Andor, and so forth. But we're glad to be back here doing episodic stuff too here, Stacy. And back to Stacy's comments. This was such a good first episode, fun and smart, and in an origin story we haven't all seen a hundred times. And the look of the show is just beautiful. It's vibrant and colorful. The special effects are amazing. And Tatiana Maslany has a great rapport with Mark Ruffalo. I loved all their banter. And that fight scene between them was great. Best part was that when they broke the bar, the fight was over. They fixed the bar and Jen left anyway. Bruce got that she needed to do this her way. Just offered to help if she needed. And there were so many little moments that delighted me. Jen getting her knowledge about Steve Rogers from the History Channel. The drunk girls in the bar immediately going to uh, Jen's aid. That extra detail that the one woman has extra shoes in her bag. Bruce having a policy and procedures manual on being a Hulk. That's how you know he runs a proper lab. <laughs> uh, as I recall, Pete, Stacy has a has a scientific background, so that's, that's all yeah. the more uh, hitting home. Stacy goes on to say, Jen being different from Bruce in that she's in control when she changes uh, was great too. She's different and Bruce doesn't know why. But I think Jen nails it when she tells him how she can control her anger and fear because that's what it's like being a woman on a daily basis. We see it in the first scene when the other lawyer is not only critiquing her closing argument, but also telling her more smiles. I'm excited to see where the show goes. And as always, looking forward to your thoughts. Pete, that's from Stacy, aka Stingray, aka TrekGirl88 on Twitter. Stacy always bringing it there with the analysis. And now, Pete, speaking of ending long droughts, the the fredless drought now ends as we go to, you know, Pete, we've talked about Stacy's a scientist, Bruce Banner a scientist. Now we hear from Fred in the Netherlands, himself a man of science. Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. Let's talk about She-Hulk, attorney at law. Don't forget the last part, it really should belong to the title. As Tatiana Maslany points out in her recent Stephen Colbert interview. That interview even made it possible to watch this very first episode, premiere of season 1, together with my wife, who is not the biggest superhero fan. Talking about super and fan, well, I couldn't say I'm the biggest orphan black fan in the world but perhaps of the Netherlands it's only 17 million people 
Most listeners will know this from this and other podcasts I give feedback to. Orphan Black ran for five seasons between 2013 and 2018. I have to admit I started watching in 2014 and was such a big fan that I designed my own polo shirts with Orphan Black logos on it, uh, t-shirts, etc. And my pile of polo shirts slowly starts to wear out. So you can imagine I'm still running around in those after 8 years. Of course these logos have nice DNA symbols in it and that is of course nice for a geneticist as I am. I even visited Toronto twice just to visit all kinds of Orphan Black filming sites. My wife asked the question why did they pick her for this role? And Stephen Colbert asked in the interview if there is a similarity between playing Orphan Black, which is about, for people who don't know, human cloning. And Tatiana Maslany got an Emmy for playing different roles, uh, multiple clones. So she said it's quite, quite different. It's also sometimes technical, but in a complete other way than playing double roles. She especially said, well, I don't see myself as She-Hulk because I'm in kind of suit, etc. And then the CGI does the rest. But still, she is a person that is used to very technical acting and has a lot of humor, for which she is known, did a lot of improv acting as well. So perhaps these aspects play the role for her picking the role and for Marvel Studios to pick her. And although she's not the tallest person, which is very nice in this series, by the way, making the difference between the big Hulk and her in her normal appearance even bigger. But I wanted to say she is quite athletic. Attorney at law. We don't see it so much in this first episode, but what she will do in the series is defending all kinds of superheroes' rights in court. It reminded me a little bit of the 2004 Pixar animated movie The Incredibles. The incredible couple is also fighting for equal rights for superheroes. Talking about Tatiana's humoristic talents, an extra aspect here in this first episode is breaking the fourth wall, meaning that the actor talks to the audience. Of course, we have seen that before in Marvel products like, for instance, the movie Deadpool. Perhaps I'm not remembering it well, but I think Tony Stark as Iron Man does it as well. I also think we saw it in WandaVision. I think the episode was quite humoristic and fun. And I think that will make that my wife will watch on because she is not into superheroes, especially if they take themselves too seriously. And the humor is obviously done in a way that you don't criticize every wrong thing or nitpick or impossible thing, etc. So it's a piece of just fun entertainment with great CGI. For big Marvel fans, the exposition is perhaps a little bit too much, but for instance for my wife it was perfect to get everything explained in this pilot. And nice referral, of course, for the fans to all kinds of other stuff, especially to Iron Man, Tony Stark and Captain America. And a nice jam was, of course, in this The After the Credits scene. 
Okay, this will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, first and foremost, I had no idea of hashtag merch Fred. What a what a voracious fan that he was making his own uh, his own orphan black shirts there. That is pretty cool. Um, I had not seen the Stephen Colbert interview. I'm going to have to seek that out. Um, yeah, and certainly an interesting uh, takeaway there from her talking with Stephen Colbert that she does not see herself on set as playing She-Hulk, uh, you know, due to wearing the mocap suit and all of that. Kind of like the opposite of pomp and circumstance. Like you're not sitting in the makeup chair gluing on this or painting on that. It's like, here's pajamas that track your motion and let's tie your hair back so we can, you know, uh, not have that in the way of the CG shot. Um, so, yeah, I too, I'm going to I'm gonna have to search out that Stephen Colbert clip. Funny to think that you had Lou Ferrigno back in the 70s who played, you know, obviously the Hulk version of the split and the character. And, you know, all right, they painted him green. There wasn't really a prosthetic aspect to it. But now that you can have the same performer do both sides, you know, the evolution of that, the continuity of performance, um, interesting to look back on as well. Pete, how have we gotten an hour into this podcast without saying, uh, what episode do we get uh, Lou Ferrigno in? Like, <laughs> like it's not even a question. In these nine episodes, we're going to see Lou Ferrigno. It's not in the first one. What is it? Two through nine. Give me a number. Five. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to say he... Oh, my goodness, Pete. How about he plays dad? Oh, there you that'd go. be great. Absolutely. Um Pete, thanks to Fred and to all the folks that uh, that sent in the comments there. It's great to be discussing episodic stuff again after a, after a four or five or six week pause here. Pete, all of this, of course, made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. And we remain so grateful to be listener supported week in and week out. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. But it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating for this podcast feed, a review in a little while longer, all of which help us. And let's, of course, keep the Marvel conversation going. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,616 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Pete, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be dipping our toe into the world of Lower Decks in the next couple of days. Uh, but whether you're here just for the She-Hulk feed or on the Pop Culture Podcast feed as well, we'll be back next Saturday to talk She-Hulk Episode 2. With that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You know, weird stuff just kind of finds you when you're a Hulk.